Hey, nerd herders and green shirts alike, you are listening to Go Chuck Yourself. In this episode, Aaron and I recap and analyze Season 2, Episode 3 of Chuck, entitled Chuck vs. The Breakup. If you want, you can feel free to send us an email at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. If you have a any uh, Chuck-related stories, questions, anything, we might give you a shout-out on air. We might read your email. If not, that's totally okay. It can just be between the three of us or the two of us. I don't have to share the email with Erin, and she doesn't have to share the email with me. Anyhow, follow us on Twitter at gochuckpodcast, and make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Write a review of our show. We'd really appreciate it. And we hope to see you next week. We post new episodes every Monday. So until then, here we go. listeners from around the world and throughout time hello people in the future it's hard to past it's hard to and the past if you're listening from the past uh if you're moving i guess really fast and you're traveling through time and you're listening to go check yourself uh pretty crazy that uh if you're in the future that aaron's the president now but it's cool that this is a historical document outlining how aaron rose to power as a president as a nice president like a benevolent one not like a scary one but oh good i yeah thank you for clearing that up for me chris because i i wasn't sure which way i was gonna go but i'm glad to know that i am benevolent benevolent yes using the power of love and uniting all people's uh uh, welcome friends and welcome family and welcome pets i feel like we don't really talk talk it up to the pets listening to the show yeah so i think templeton does yeah, Templeton listens all the time, right? He's a big yeah. fan. I mean, yeah, he's a big fan. He only was like clawing at that that scratching post that one time we were recording because he just wanted us to stop when we were balancing yeah. the, the well, microphone. Well, now I don't. Now he doesn't live with me right now, so that's why you haven't heard him. <laughs> when you, that's... Say, you say it like that. It sounds like you're getting divorced from Templeton. <laughs> Templeton uh, emancipated himself from me. Uh, he's, he's on his own now. Just like Aaron Carter. Did Aaron Carter do that? I think so. That's cool. Good right. for him. <laughs> Anyhow, I think he's racist now, though, so... Oh, okay. Welcome to Go Chuck Yourself, where we talk about the television show Chuck, starring Zachary Levi and Friends, a mere 11 years after it aired. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is future president Aaron Arana. Nice! Yes. Yeah. Future president Taking Aaron Arana here. Yeah, might as well just go for it. You know, dress for the job you want, not the job that you have. Well, I'm currently wearing a, a blanket that you described as a frog blanket. It, it looks it's like, like a it's like a blanket cape, and it has like a little hood that you can put on, and then there's little pom pom ears on the hood. Uh, it's from Target. It's very good. It's made for children. I think this is the second time you've talked about it. <laughs> I think yeah, I think you're right. I remember from season one, but I just like get this blanket from Target, everyone. They're not advertising with us, so don't don't give Target free promotion on Go okay, Chuck Yourself. This is sacred space. <laughs> Um, yes, we're talking about episode three of season two, Chuck versus the breakup. And, uh, did I have a difficult time watching this episode, not because of the content of the episode, but because of my preferred way of viewing. Okay, Uh, please please elaborate. So, uh, listeners of the show know that I listen, or I listen, I watch Chuck on DVDs. I have all the, the DVDs of Chuck and I haven't gone through some of them. But this this podcast is allowing me to have a reason to go through all my Chuck DVDs. So I put this DVD, the first disc of season two, into my PlayStation, which is how I watch the episode sometimes, and go to the main menu, go to episode three, um, and then it just the nothing happened on the screen, and <laughs> it was frozen, and the PlayStation was making like a do 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 sound in the with the disc that's a good song though i'm not gonna be able to watch this episode of chuck that was good that was nice we have a future here so at that point i take the disc out put it back in still nothing and it's still i'm like is this gonna ruin my playstation by having this dvd in there and mind you i watched episode (laughs) one and two on the dvd and it was fine but episode three just not working so I'm saying, well, maybe it's the PlayStation is doing something weird. So I go to my old my old friend, VLC Media Player, hook up my mm-hmm. external mm-hmm. external disk drive to my laptop, 
boot up the the old traffic cone as we VLC media player heads call it us cone heads and put in the DVD and same thing. I go to the main menu and I go to episode three and then just nothing. Actually, it's important to note that it doesn't exist at some point when I had it on my PlayStation, it did start working and it started jumping through different points of the episode. And then, <laughs> oh no. So it got to the end and I was like, what? But at a certain point, it just froze on it like a, a close up of someone's eyeball. So I should have taken a picture of it, but I didn't because I was yeah, just so frustrated. But my entire television just had this one giant picture of someone's oh eyeball frozen on it. And I was like trying to use the controller to go to a different part and nothing was happening and it was just frozen on this eyeball that's so, very intense and then like i said brought it to my laptop and my laptop just couldn't play it but i could play episode four on the dvd so next week i'm fine but this one i was like what the hell and i'm freaking out i'm like how am i gonna watch this episode we are gonna be recording soon i need to watch it and take notes and then I was thinking, like, is Chuck on Amazon? Could I just buy an episode, like, a la carte, which I know you can do with some shows, but you can't yeah. do that. You need Prime. Oh. I don't have Prime. And then I was like, is Chuck on Netflix again? And it's not. But then I found that you can buy episodes a la carte on YouTube. Yes. Weirdly yes, enough. Um, so I ended up doing that. And then I made my life more complicated because I decided to log on to YouTube on the Roku that's on my television. And that was the whole thing because I don't know why I did that. I should just watch it on my computer. But yeah, that so was my some journey. Of this, I'm sorry that this happened to you and it shows real dedication to go check yourself. And then some of it is just seems to be you brought it on yourself. I would say most of it is that I brought it upon myself. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. It, I feel like buying stuff on YouTube, their, their, slo their slogan should be like, well, you don't have a choice. You got to do this. Because I, I, I feel like the only time people like end up buying something on YouTube is when your other options run out and you're like, shit, I got to watch this thing and I, I have no choice. So you're like, sure, yeah. I'll pay three dollars to watch it on to on YouTube. I think you're right. I think that's a good slogan. YouTube, uh, reach out to us for further marketing ideas. Like if you're a professor in a class and you're watching some kind of documentary and it's not available, but it's on YouTube for some reason. You're like, oh, we got to we got to play this or yeah. you're hanging out with friends. You're like, oh, we should watch this thing. And you just can't find it anywhere. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Anywho, that moment. I went through I, I moved heaven and earth to get to this episode. Chuck versus the breakup. Seems that you did. So why don't we start talking about it? I would love to. This episode is coming in hot with a very hot kiss between Sarah and Bryce, presumably in a flashback to the also very hot location of Bogota, Colombia. More like I... Matt Boner, am I right? Okay, don't disrespect Matt in this way, I'm sorry. Sorry. Uh, so they're pretending to be a couple in love and or lust, and who could blame either of them? But we can tell from the way Bryce is looking around mid-kiss that they're on a mission. <laughs> More like Matt Bogota, am I right? It's, isn't it Bogota, Chris? So they're waiting for some kind of security guards to pass by. Uh, once the security guards do, they break apart and they start to move. Unfortunately, they're spotted by some more guards and a chase begins. I guess the guards want whatever is in the briefcase they have with them. I don't think we find out what it is, so don't worry about it. I think it's baby Chuck. Yes, I think it's his uh, em embryos. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Bryce is caught and a gun is put to his head, but Sarah shoots the guard around Bryce, like right, right over Bryce's shoulder. She could have, she narrowly avoids shooting Bryce. Mm -hmm. They continue on their way, and Bryce gives Sarah a rose. I'm causing me to wonder: Is this season just sponsored by roses? There's been a lot of roses in the past three episodes. Is this? I get confused. Is this an episode of The Bachelor? I'm not sure. There's just a lot of roses and like. <laughs> so many Chuck has a rose to give Sarah, but then he doesn't accept it. But then Sarah accepts Bryce's rose. Yep. So is this like a weird episode of The, the Bachelor where there's multiple bachelors? Time. Yeah. I guess it's The Bachelorette, but they hand out, the contestants hand out the roses to the person that's there. I'm not sure. No, I think you're onto something there. Let's uh, ABC get in contact with us as well. <laughs> All these open invitations. So we move on to the scene. Uh, we, we get a, a repeat of the scene that we saw last week of Chuck in his white dinner jacket walking down the hallway. Um, Sarah opens her door when he knocks and we as the audience like I thought this was a really good acting on her part because like we see from her smile she like lights up to see Chuck but then there's like the complication of like Bryce is actually there so I was taking it like we know that she loves him but like Chuck like just zeroes in on Bryce he isn't zeroing in on her face he doesn't have 
this information. More like Matt Boner Killer, am I right? All right, that one I'll give you. Chuck returns home pretty much immediately, which leads me to wonder what exactly that conversation was when uh, when Chuck, like, when the door opened and Bryce was there. Like, why didn't he stick around to see, like, what his former best friend had been up to and, like, why he was there? Did he just, like, turn around and leave? Did Sarah ask him to leave? Like, I don't know what happened in this scene. Especially since the last time that we saw Bryce, it was with the understanding that he was going deep undercover to yeah. fight He's Fulcrum. Back. It's it's been like like six episodes and he's back, baby. Yeah, I thought he was because they were making it seem like, well, he's gone. We're never going to see him because he has yeah. important work to do. But he's just like, yo, here I yeah, am. He's back. Yeah. yeah, he's here. So Chuck heads back home and vents to Ellie and Devin about Sarah's ex being in town, reminding me that he can't tell them that Bryce is still alive, which I, I liked. I forgot that they didn't know that. And I thought that was like some interesting drama and like doesn't really come up in this episode. But there are some kind of stakes, I guess, where like. I don't like. Well, would Ellie recognize Bryce? I, I think I don't know. Implying because like later in the episode, like she's gonna go talk to him, and then Devin does it instead, which I thought was clever. But now I'm thinking like, like I mean, I don't have siblings, so they wouldn't recognize my college roommates. But like, would would Molly recognize like your roommates? I think so. I I didn't realize. I've completely forgot that Bryce is supposed to be dead. Yeah. So I, yeah, I. That's a good point. I'm not sure, but I guess Ellie's never up close to him. Yeah. But she's just like, hey, I think that's Sarah's ex. But like Chuck later in the episode, like when Ellie sees Bryce, Chuck seems like alarmed and he's like, did you get a good look at him? And Ellie's like, no. And then Chuck like relaxes. Oh, so, OK. Like, but yeah. I don't. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I guess Chuck and Bryce were close. Maybe Bryce came over for Thanksgiving or something. You don't know. Can I raise another concern that I just realized yes. that I, has been in my brain this entire time, but I didn't yep. realize it? How come we see Ellie and Awesome a lot of times when they're home after work because they're mm -hmm. wearing their scrubs? How yep. come they're never covered in blood or pus or feces <laughs> or sweat or anything? They always look wow. like supermodels. Because well, I, I know people that work at hospitals and they get, they get drenched in just the grossest stuff. They don't come home and just like, oh, let's kick up, you know, let's put our feet up and... Have glasses of yeah, wine. Yeah, that's actually, I'm thinking about it. It's, <laughs> it's pretty gross that they're like wearing those like just around their house. So there's that concern. But then I'm also thinking, well, maybe I need to think outside the box here. Maybe they're so clean because they're getting ready for their shift because they have, you know, they work at a hospital and they have weird shifts. But then mm -hmm. that raises the concern that they're drinking wine before they go to work at a hospital. <laughs> I think that's the most likely conclusion. We we're talking about Montgomery being an alcoholic in the last episode, but maybe we got to take a look at Ellie and Awesome. I think we do. I'm going to sue them for malpractice. In this specific scene, they're supportive of Chuck and say that the ex will be out of his life in no time. Chuck has a line here where he says he refers to himself as alone, not technically, but emotionally. And that really, that hit home for me. That was a, <laughs> that was a very Aaron Arata line. <laughs> did he uh, look into the camera and wink and say, that one's for you, Aaron? Yeah, he did, actually. It was really nice. It was a nice moment. Good. So we move on to the Bymore. Apparently Lester hasn't learned his lesson because he's still a tyrant the next time we see him. He tells Morgan to go into the home theater room and kick out the employees of some kind of sports store that's in that plaza or something. I wasn't really clear on who these guys were, but they're all wearing like matching t-shirts. So I think they work at a sports store and they're there on their break. Their break seems to last a very long time, but they're in there. Could have been the end of the shift. The store was called Mighty Jocks, like the play on the Mighty Ducks. Okay, there you go. Thanks. Chris is the sports expert this uh, episode, and we'll get into that in a second. But these are uh, these are some super big dudes. They're playing Madden. Everyone is afraid to interrupt them. And I sure hope they don't accidentally trigger the nuclear deployment method that's up in that TV. <laughs> so Morgan goes in to talk to the guys, and their leader is someone named Mitt, who uh, Chris is going to pop in to tell you more. He's played by Michael Strahan. Uh, who is, of course, the formal, former football star and current ABC daytime television darling. I, I wasn't paying attention to his name. I was just saying, thinking to myself, oh, that's Michael Strahan that entire time. Um, so I will be referring to him as Michael Strahan. With, I will not. He's playing a character, so I, I know he's a nice guy and he's not like a mean bully like he is in the show, but it's Michael Strahan. So his name is Mitt in the show. I did not know. Uh, I recognized him. I was like, that guy looks like a football player. But I, uh, I needed Chris to give me more information. But anyway, he uh, shoves his burrito into Morgan's pants pocket. 
and threatens him if he ever interrupts one of their games again. So Morgan runs out with his tail between his legs. Disrespecting Morgan, just like Michael Strahan disrespected Kelly Ripa and the institution that is live with Kelly Ripa. Kelly Ripa is married to uh, someone who's on Riverdale. That So what I just said had almost no effect on you. So I'm assuming that you probably don't know what happened with Michael Strahan no, and live with no, Kelly Ripa. No, I have Ripa. no idea. Please tell me more. <laughs> it was like I said it to a wall. <laughs> he, I so, just, well, you said Kelly Ripa and then I was like Riverdale. And then I just like went on a journey. Well, come back so I can talk to you about <laughs> okay. Michael Strahan. I returned. So, do you know, he was the co-host with Kelly Ripa on live. Oh, that was him? Yeah. He okay. did that for a couple of years and they had, you know, good chemistry and everything like that. And yeah. then all of a sudden he just wasn't on Kelly Ripa anymore. He just wasn't the co-host. And he announced that he was quitting and that day he was done. And it was this whole thing because it made Kelly Ripa look bad and she didn't have another host lined up. And then he started with Good Morning America and now he has his own daytime thing with Good Morning America. But it all worked out okay because now Kelly has Ryan Seacrest and, you know, they're, they're a match she made. She used and... to host with uh, Regis, right? Right. Regis it was, yeah, it started with Regis. Is Regis alive? Yeah, he's still alive. As of this okay, recording, okay. I don't know. Okay, oh God. I don't know when this episode's going to come out, oh, but no. as of this very moment, he is. Regis, stay with us. All right, so besides my Michael Strahan feelings, uh, what's yeah. going on in the Chuck universe? Meanwhile, in Castle, Beckman tells Casey, Sarah, and Chuck that the fulcrum threat is worse than it initially appeared, and an update to the intersect has been stolen, which has information on it about their covers. So they got to get that back, or else they're, like, in danger. Mm -hmm. They have to go to a man called Von Hayes' fancy party to get the update back. I don't know why Beckman phrases it this way, but she says, I want you to pose as a married couple. And Chuck, who is in the room, very reasonably thinks she's referring to him because he's in the room and she's looking at him. But she responds with, no, Chuck, this mission requires a real spy. And then Bryce, who had not been in the room and was actually like upstairs in the refrigerator, enters in a cloud of steam and is like, yeah, I'm here for my part in the mission. So I don't know why Beckman phrased it that way. Wearing sunglasses, too. And I realize that I have, I guess, this fantasy where... Um, we stopped doing this show, but like Kelly Ripa, you continue, like I'm the Michael Strahan and you're the Kelly Ripa in this situation. Okay. I leave the show, uh, and we, it like ruins our friendship and it's bad. And you, <laughs> well, you have that fantasy. You continue to, <laughs> you continue to do the show, but you find a new co-host and then someone says like, oh, well, we need a real co-host for this episode. And then I walk in with sunglasses and they're like, wow, now there's a co-host for a podcast. And then I walk oh, down. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty good fantasy, actually. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. So we'll work on it. I have a question here. Um, I do actually have interesting, in, well, not the segment interesting information, but I do have some interesting information to get into later. But I was I was commenting on the names in Chuck because we had we had a lawn last season and now we have a Vaughn. Yeah. Wait, did we? What was the other guy? Lon. Lon. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought it was the same guy for so I was like, wait a second, not the same no, guy. Yeah, I thought that too, because yeah. their names rhyme. Um, Vaughn's is a grocery chain in L.A., so I was thinking that they named uh, they named him after that, but I, in fact, I learned some information that uh, we'll get into later about why his name is Vaughn Hayes. All right. But that's not happening. Speaking of names, uh, something that I like in this episode is that Sarah finally has a cover name. It's Mrs. Anderson. Bryce puts a ring on her and uh, refers to her as Mrs. Anderson. He's Mr. Anderson. It's, I don't think that's like a Matrix reference, but like when somebody says Mr. Anderson, I mean, that's why your brain goes, right? Chuck wants to know more about the mission and specifically what Bryce and Sarah will be getting up to together. So he appeals to Casey's pride by telling Casey he's the master, which of course, is, I mean, it's true. He is the master. Casey tells Chuck that Bryce and Sarah will be getting hot and heavy with the PDA so as not to arouse suspicion at the party as they search the mansion where it's being held. Meanwhile, Bryce flirts with Sarah in the orange orange and she tells him she wants to keep things professional. So that's that's a good sign for us, like wanting her to be with Chuck. She wants she she doesn't she's not receptive to Bryce's advances. Unfortunately, Ellie stops by the orange orange and sees them holding hands. Oh no. Chuck and Morgan are in the Bymore. They talk about their respective insecurities and how they have something that Bryce and Mitt don't, which is brains. Unfortunately, I think this is not true because Bryce is a CIA operative, so he he does have brains. <laughs> and uh, Chuck is using empty comfort. <laughs> Ellie arrives in the store to tell Chuck what she saw in the orange orange we find out she was there to ask Sarah to be a bridesmaid in her wedding which I thought was very very sweet 
But then I started wondering, like, why does Ellie, like, why didn't Ellie just text Chuck and say, like, hey, what, when's the next time you and Sarah will be at my apartment? And also, like, Chuck is about, like, we find out Chuck is about to leave to go home. Like, I don't know why you would walk into someone's work and say, like, I think your girlfriend is cheating on you. Like, she should have just waited because you don't want Chuck to be at work and, like, dealing with that stress. Like, that's... That's tough. That's like a heavy thing. I think Ellie needs to respect that people are in their places of employment and she should just broach unrelated topics, like topics unrelated to work, later when they're in their places of leisure. Uh, is this, are you trying to tell me that I text you too often while you're supposed to be working? Is that what this is all about? I don't like is that, that you're trying to say? supposed to be working because Chris, I am working. I was hoping that Ellie was going to come in and say, hey, um, I was at the Orange Orange because I wanted to invite Sarah to be my one of my bridesmaids. Um, and I saw her talking to this guy. So um, I guess I have to invite that guy to the wedding now. And you can't be one of Awesome's <laughs> crimsmen. So I'm sorry, but you're not invited to our wedding Yeah, anymore. I would have liked that moment. So the sports guys are still up in the home theater room being loud. So Morgan and Lester come up with a plan to turn off the power to the room. They do this right as Mitt is about to make a game-winning touchdown. So he gets very mad and says he's going to beat them up after work. He also lifts Morgan into the air. Oh, yeah, that was pretty. That was, I mean, I kind of like when people lift Morgan. Like, it's kind of, I wouldn't say, like, it's a sex thing, but, like, I like looking at it. (laughs) Do you think, I couldn't tell if he was just doing it naturally or um, they must have had wires connected to Morgan, right? Because he was lifting up. I mean, he's a strong guy. He is really, yeah, but... Would you be able Maybe. to lift Morgan up by the, the neck? Was he holding by the neck or was he? It must have been the neck because otherwise it would have had to be under the arms. It would be like the Lion King or like yeah, you're so holding I a baby. Think that, yeah, I think if you're lifting someone by the neck, you probably have to have wires just for like safety. Well, Michael Strahan didn't think about safety when he just left Kelly Ripa hanging. <laughs> just dangling in the air. Sarah and Casey wouldn't have done that to their spy partners, but Michael Strahan did to Kelly Ripa. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, my next note that I have is I hate how everyone gels their hair in the show. I think I spoke a little bit about that in our last episode, but like it's it's heavy. This like much like their hair, the amount of gel. No, this this isn't working. But I'm just gonna stick with it. I do not like the gel in the show. Chris is displaying some gel. No, like your hair looks fine. Like if you put like a little bit in it, but I don't know if it's like a 2000s thing or if it's like a spy thing or whatever, but like Matt Bomber and Zachary Levi have nice hair and they're just like slicking it back. It looks weird. I'd rather it be like in like little like Justin Timberlake points. Like the curly Justin Timberlake, like in sync Justin Timberlake? I don't know. I mean, I'd rather just them have their hair. The (laughs) the crunchy noodle haircuts. Yes, that's what I want everyone in the show Chuck to have. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Chuck arrives at Sarah's apartment to finish getting ready. I don't I don't really know. I don't understand this. But Have Price you ever gone to prom, Aaron? Don't you know that you need to get ready in I stages mean, at different people's houses? This. I know girls do this. I didn't know like men do this. Do they? Do you do this? Yeah, if you're getting ready to go undercover as a waiter, of course you're going to go check up <laughs> on your buddies and just sync up. <laughs> so he goes to Sarah's apartment and Bryce is there and Bryce and Chuck get ready together. Chuck questions Bryce about staying with Sarah, and Bryce says he's just there protecting their cover. I don't really think that these people know what that phrase means, because if he is indeed protecting their cover by being there, then, like, Chuck being there is, like, ruining their cover. So Chuck should not be there. I don't, I don't think this makes sense. But, you know, Bryce is there. He's, they're, they're having some banter. Uh, Bryce cautions Chuck against falling for Sarah, and Chuck assures Bryce that he hasn't. Sarah enters in a beautiful red dress. She looks really nice. She has like she has her hair pulled back. I thought she looked good. Mm-hmm. And Chuck says she looks good, but red's not his color. And then he just like leaves. Like and Bryce looks between the two of them, and he's like, hmm. <laughs> but it's kind of like he's he's a little bit worried, so it's more like hmm. And then Chuck comes back in, and he says, or salmon, or whatever color that is. Yeah, yeah. I think it was just red. It was it was red. It was a little was salmon fine. salmony All looking. Right. You have salmon pants, right? Is that you? I used to. Oh. Yeah. Not feeling it anymore? No, they got destroyed because, or destroyed's a little harsh, but I was eating a breakfast sandwich, and whatever (laughs) grease was on the breakfast sandwich from the supposedly, like, healthy, cool breakfast sandwich place, like, stained my pants permanently. (laughs) They just, it just can't come out, so I had to get rid of them. Too bad, you had to get rid of the salmon pants. Yep. So they arrive at the party, hosted by Von Hayes in his mansion. I thought Von Hayes was Academy Award nominee Richard E. Grant, and I was very disappointed when he was not. 
He's he's like a British guy with long hair. Chuck pretends to be a waiter while hoping to flash on Vaughn or like someone else at the party, but unfortunately, he's pretty distracted by Bryce and Sarah dancing together and being very affectionate towards each other. We get some fun banter between Bryce and Sarah while they're dancing, where he asks her to let him lead, and she says no. I wasn't sure what that represented, but I did like it. Meanwhile, at Vaughn's table, Chuck spills wine all over Vaughn because he's too busy looking at Sarah. Chuck bonds with another waiter, which was another weird <laughs> moment over how weird it is watching these people who are like basically having sex on the dance floor. Bryce and Sarah begin making out, and Chuck drops a bottle of champagne, which results in him being fired. Also, his his cover name is Jorge, which, <laughs> like, I don't know, it's fine. He's uh, so he's not Charles Carmichael this time around. He's Jorge Carmichael. Yeah, good name, good I, name. Can I just say, like, why? What's it? Why do you, if you're a millionaire or a magnet or whoever, and you are doing some kind of illicit thing with the government where you have to do a trade off or you have something that they're trying to pick up or what have you? Why do you always? Why do they throw parties? during that time when you have the thing like wouldn't you just i would say i have to do this trade-off i'm gonna lay low for a while i'm not going to invite a bunch of strangers to my house to either take it out of my pocket or break into my vault or just get any information about me i'm gonna be as anonymous as possible until the thing is done and then have a party like why have a party in the middle of when you're trying to do this thing well, you seemed very on board when they had the trade-off in the Buy More on Black Friday because no one would notice. So I think that's the principle that they're working on. And also, it's just, like, funner to watch. I guess so, but if you're just, like, why would you ha host people if you're trying to conceal something like that? Just don't take any risks. I don't know. So at the party, Jorge, or as I call him, Chuck, uh, <laughs> is getting in trouble because he broke that bottle of fancy champagne. Um, Hayes comes over and says... Do you know what that was? That was a $1,000 bottle of some kind of fancy white wine or champagne. Um, nice. Which, once again, you know, Hayes, if you're really as rich as you say you are, why are you so concerned about a $1,000 bottle of champagne? But it's irreplaceable, Chris. But he has presumably a lot of them or equivalents of it. Why would he care? I know, but I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing if, like, you were an employee. Like, if he, Chuck was at the Buy More and he, like, smashed up a computer, I think his boss would be mad. Like, even though the Buy More owner probably has a bunch of computers, like, he's doing a bad job at his job. You heard it here first, everyone. President Air Narada is against the working class. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, anyhow, Chuck gets, uh, or, sorry, Jorge gets fired. Um, and he has to pretend to be upset. So he's follow following his um, catering supervisor out. But he's caught off guard when he flashes on a woman who is speaking to uh, Hayes about the microchip. Turns out she's a fulcrum agent. Yeah, he flashes on her voice. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Um, I'm glad that they kind of play with the idea of that whenever Chuck is working undercover as a waiter, he has to have a fake name. And that he presumably has a undercover supervisor. Not someone that's undercover, but like his... His alias like needs he's to, been hired. yeah, like a supervisor needs to know that Jorge is covering the champagne duty or what have you. Yeah, I thought that the man was going to be like, oh, I've never seen that man in my life. Like, <laughs> and then, but apparently he was hired and the, the supervisor knows who he is. Yeah, so, I, was, I was thinking a lot about that, but I was like, eh, whatever. Some world building. I had two notes here that I just want to bring up. Um, first of all, Amazon subtitles capitalize fulcrum like it's an acronym, okay. which I did not think it was an acronym. I thought it was just a word. Fun fact. Also, um, when they go outside at this party, there's some shitty cars. Like for this really fancy party, there's some like there's like some Priuses, there's like some Volkswagens. Like I would think that this fancy party, like people are driving in style, but apparently not. Once again, everyone, President Aaron Arada is an elitist. Well, now, okay, now I'm thinking about it. Maybe those were the employees' cars, but why were they parked at the house? I don't know. I have a lot of questions about these cars. Meanwhile, back at the Buy More, Morgan and Lester are afraid to leave the store because Michael Strahan promised to beat them up as soon as they left the Buy More. Morgan tries to be brave, but as soon as he reaches the door, he and Lester chicken out and Anna and Jeff leave the store without them. So then back at the mansion, Chuck gets locked out of the mansion and tells Casey that he didn't get a chance to see the woman's face. He only heard her voice. Chuck sneaks back into the mansion after Casey hacks the security system and hides underneath a table in a smaller dining room. Incidentally, Hayes and the Fulcrum agent enter to enter the dining room around the same time to talk about exchanging the microchip. Hayes is looking for his payment before he hands over the chip. His payment is $15 million. However, the Fulcrum agent shoots Hayes' bodyguard and points her gun at Hayes and announces that she will not be paying for the chip, presumably because she will shoot him if 
he does not hand over the chip. I think that's rude of her. They made a deal. She should stick to it. Definitely. That's my promise as president. Everybody sticks to their deals. No changing your mind. <laughs> I... <laughs> Uh, I, I guess I don't I think that's bad like you're saying don't change or don't grow or educate yourself all right okay I take it back I, is Aaron a bad president in the future is this are you listening <laughs> to this episode I, was benevolent. I, I thought, thought I so was, I thought I could do no wrong maybe like the rebellion is listening to this to try to figure out your weak points <laughs> and Lord knows you you have <laughs> divulged quite a few weak points in the <laughs> recording of the show one of them is milk Anyhow, Hayes tells her, the fulcrum agent that is, that the chip is in his vault while taking out his keys to the vault. He drops the keys on the floor because he's nervous and Chuck flashes on his keychain. Turns out the keychain is the microchip. And that has all of the information about Sarah and Casey and Bryce and everyone else uh, and their covers on it. Hayes leads the fulcrum agent out of the dining room and to the vault. Chuck reports this back to Casey and spends a lot of time detailing how scary and strange looking the fulcrum agent is. Um, which I, I didn't think she was that weird. That looking. was rude. Yeah, it was kind of strange. No, she doesn't really look weird at all. Hey, I just saw the fulcrum agent and, and she's like a hard four. <laughs> I, I mean, I was glad she wasn't like actually weird looking and that they commented on it. Like, I was glad it was like a normal person. But yeah. it was also just weird. Like I, I feel like he could have said anything at this. Like he could have said, I don't know. I mean, if the joke was that like he insulted her, he could have said like, wow, she was really mean. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't have the same ring to it. Hey, you're so mean. <laughs> Anyhow. You gotta be so mean. Vulcan agent hears Chuck uh, talking smack about her and she sticks yep. her silence pistol uh, underneath the tablecloth and she, you know, has just heard everything that Chuck said and she wants Chuck to go with her. Elsewhere, Bryce and Sarah make their way through the mansion looking for Hayes. Bryce and Sarah find Hayes, but the Fulcrum agent takes Chuck out the opposite door. Bryce says that they should go chase Hayes and get the chip, but Sarah says that they need to save Chuck. Bryce contends that the microchip is more important because they will all die if their covers are compromised, but Sarah disagrees with him and chases after Chuck and the Fulcrum agent. So they head in opposite directions. <gasps> Hayes makes for his flashy yellow sports car, which is a Lamborghini uh, in the valet area, and he drives off almost running over Bryce. Sarah gets into a gunfight with the Fulcrum agent, but the agent retreats into a black Mercedes that speeds up, so she jumps in the back seat, drives off, but not before she drops what appears to be a grenade out of the car window. Yeah, that's what it was. Chuck and Sarah hear and then eventually see the grenade right before it's going to explode, so they jump for cover behind a car. The grenade blows up a nearby car in what is a much more dramatic explosion than the time that that missile blew up the Crown Vic. Yeah, that's that's also true. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh shit, that car just blew up, but with the yeah. Crown Vic, it was like... <laughs> oh they blew out the windows uh <laughs> chuck looks at the explosion and is like wow holy shit and then he turns to sarah and sarah's unconscious on the ground with bruises all over oh my god yeah uh, that was very stressful now this is where we would have had a very suspenseful commercial break but since we're streaming and uh, commercials don't exist we cut right back to Ch uh, chuck and he's visiting sarah who is sa uh, safely recovering in the hospital yeah she's fine she's good she's got a concussion just like Michael Strahan's friends, probably. Oh, no. Chuck brings Sarah a small bouquet of flowers, gardenias, her favorite. And she says that he can put them right next to the rest of her flowers. Chuck turns and sees a uh, a figurative mountain of various colorful flowers that Bryce sent to her. Chuck Too many flowers, I would say. Chuck bemoans the fact that he'll always come in second to Bryce. But Sarah says, not always. <laughs> you sounded a little British there. Hello. You sound like a little British child. Hello, please, sir. Can I have some more flowers? <laughs> Out in the hospital hallway, Bryce stands around looking sketchy and catches the eye of Ellie and Awesome, who work at this hospital because they're doctors, even if they don't have the stains or sweat to prove it. Um, <laughs> Ellie sees Bryce, doesn't really recognize that it's Bryce, her brother's former, uh, currently no, dead he's roommate. he's like Captain America in Winter Soldier. He's like disguised heavily. He's got like a hat and a hoodie and like a jacket. Yeah, I mean, those people in the MCU put a jacket and a hat on them. I'm like, whoa, where'd Captain America? Like, oh, wait, that was Captain America? <laughs> oh, shit. Captain America doesn't have sunglasses and a baseball hat. Ellie sees Bryce and decides that she's going to go confront him on Chuck's behalf. But Awesome says that he's going to take care of it. Uh, I thought that was kind of clever. Like, if we're if we're taking it to be that, like, Ellie would recognize Bryce, uh -huh. I thought it was pretty clever because, like, Devin obviously wouldn't. So yeah. I thought it was clever that he's the one, like, that they're... But I don't like I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know what the stakes are. if Ellie realizes that it's Bryce. Like, I mean, I guess that 
Chuck would have to explain like why Bryce isn't dead, and then it might bring up questions about his spy life. I don't know. Yeah. But it seems like they're making a big deal out of it. I had a question. Do Ellie and Awesome know that Chuck and Sarah are in the hospital? Because at no point do they stop by and visit Sarah. Well, they know Sarah's there because like they like they know that he's bringing her flowers, and they know that like they know that he's there because Sarah's there. So I don't know if they know that Chuck is present. But they they know that Sarah's in that room because why else would Bryce be there? True. Well, he could have just been there for unrelated reasons. No, they definitely, because later uh, Devin intercepts roses or flowers mm-hmm. or something for Sarah. Yeah. And he thinks they're from Bryce. So I think they know. But maybe they just already visited her. Sarah and Chuck share a nice moment where they joke about Chuck's inability to protect Sarah from all the spy threats that she faces. Awesome. Meanwhile, goes up to Bryce and notices that he has an infected cut on his cheek from the night before. So he uses it and his medical training as an excuse to take Bryce to an examination room for some one-on-one time. Uh, he cleans out the cut with disinfectant, stings a little bit. And this was like pretty wimpy during this scene. Well, I mean, I'd feel wimpy if I was with Awesome. That's true, but he's not Palmer. Yeah, but I mean, I think we can agree that this is the most handsome scene to date in the history of Chuck. Yes, we can absolutely agree. Just Bryce and Awesome. Even Bryce's cut. Even, like, Bryce's cut maybe makes him better. He looks a little rugged. Ooh. Aaron likes the emo boys. What about me has led you to believe that that is not the case? (laughs) Where have I gone wrong? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess now that you mentioned it, you did introduce yourself and said, Hi, my name is Aaron. I like emo boys. Yeah, that's exactly how I met you. Awesome points out that it seems like Bryce still has feelings for Sarah based on the amount of flowers that he gave her. And Bryce says, let's say it together. It's It's complicated. complicated. When Awesome mentions that Sarah was dating his soon-to-be brother-in-law, Bryce pretends not to know this, and he inquires more about their relationship. Awesome says that he specializes in cardiovascular medicine, so there's one thing that he knows about. The human heart. Aww. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Except for that time in the last episode when he took Morgan's advice for seducing Ellie and was completely... Yeah, they're playing it fast and loose with uh, Devin's knowledge here. But, you know, whatever. He's a heart doctor. Awesome says that based on the way that Sarah looks at Chuck, in his professional opinion, she's in love with Chuck. And this gives Bryce pause. I am always so happy when I think about how they were going to make Awesome a Russian spy. And then, like, he's not. Every Mm -hmm. time he does something, I'm just like, I'm so glad he's not a spy. Mm Mm-hmm. Back at the Bymore, Morgan and Lester are exhausted and disheveled because they slept at the store overnight because they were afraid to go outside because of Michael Strahan. Why didn't they just go sleep in like the like massage chairs or something like or like the home theater room? I'm sure there's like comfortable places. They didn't have to like sleep on the desk. The home theater room probably smells like B.O. because all the jocks are hanging out in there. That's fair. And they don't clean it up. They don't clean up the food after themselves. So that same morning, Michael Strahan and his entourage enter the Bymore to confront Morgan, and Morgan decides to be brave and stand up to him. Morgan asks Michael Strahan if they could settle this without Morgan getting beaten up, and Michael Strahan says that he and his friends could all use new PSPs, which Morgan agrees to provide, uh, even if it means taking two weeks' advance pay. Holy shit, he's buying PSPs for all of these guys, and also, isn't that extortion or blackmail? They're saying that they'll physically harm Morgan if they don't get these expensive new gaming systems. Yeah, he should go to the cops. Morgan does not go to the police or the spies that work in his store who also work in law enforcement. Uh, instead, he decides to buy the PSPs and he goes back to Anna and the rest of the nerd herd and pretends like he defended himself and scared Michael Strand and his crew off. At the apartment complex, Bryce shows up to talk to Chuck and says that he's concerned about Sarah. Chuck's not really interested in hearing Bryce, but Bryce presents the point that Sarah went off mission by not following Hayes at the mansion and almost got both herself and Chuck killed in the process. Bryce is concerned because, well, Sarah has feelings for Chuck! That was, that was a nice voice. And not only that, but feelings will get her killed! Is that, are you are you doing an impression of Matt Palmer? Hey, I'm Matt Palmer! I'm the star of Suits! Go suit yourself. No, I just wrote it all in caps, so I'm just being true to my notes. Anything less than matching Fulcrum's ruthlessness, Bryce says, will get them all killed. Back at the hospital, Sarah doesn't give a shit. She's taking a nap in the hospital. And the Fulcrum agent that we saw earlier, um, her driver or bodyguard or just like friend or coworker. Yeah, uh, just someone she's close to. He was driving the Mercedes earlier. Um, He appears at the hospital and asks for Sarah Walker's room and the nurse just tells him where it is. Uh, yeah, apparently Sarah, well, Sarah's, I guess all the flowers, like maybe, maybe the delivery people for the flowers just kept asking, like, where's Sarah Walker's room? So she just assumes. Maybe. I was just thinking it wasn't really safe. Like, I don't know if you've ever visited a hospital, but you could tell certain people that you don't want 
people allowed to come visit you at the hospital. Yeah, and I mean, a... I guess, like, she's she's sleeping from a concussion. She's recovering. Like, is, is it during visiting hours? Like, what's the deal here? They didn't even ask who that guy was or how he was related to her. Yeah, and the nurse is just like, whatever, go for it. Doesn't check his ID. No, she doesn't. And they uh, they leave a doctor's coat just out in the open. So the henchman takes it and puts on the doctor's coat to pretend to be a doctor. Yeah, he does. Back at the apartment, Awesome gives Chuck a bouquet of flowers, and Chuck is kind of taken aback because he's never received a bouquet of flowers ever, let alone from another man. Um, he says, Awesome says that the flowers are not from Awesome; that he just intercepted them from Bryce, who sent them to Sarah's room. Chuck notices a note in the bouquet that says, let's meet in private and has a phone number. So Chuck thinks that this is Bryce's phone number. So he calls it and then Hayes answers the phone, confused as to how Jorge the waiter got his personal cell phone number. Hayes says that he sent the flowers to the female agent, i.e. Sarah, and Chuck bluffs and says that he is Sarah's supervisor and that Hayes's case got pushed up the pipeline. So now Jorge Carmichael is handling it. Hayes agrees to work with Chuck, he says that he'll help Chuck find the chip as long as Chuck's team can protect him from Fulcrum. Hayes is stressed out because he was sleeping in his Lamborghini overnight. You know, Lamborghini is apparently not very comfortable. Chuck finds Casey at the Buy More to fill him in on what's going on with Hayes. Uh, Chuck says that Hayes has agreed to hand over the chip under the following conditions. One, Hayes will only give the chip to Chuck. Two, Hayes wants full immunity from any government prosecution, assuming that he um, goes along with everything they're doing. Casey's fine with this, but Chuck has the third requirement, which is that they need four and a half million dollars in unmarked small bills to give to Hayes. Meanwhile, at the hospital, the fulcrum henchman posing as Sarah's doctor enters and tells her that she should be released in a few hours. And then he takes out this ominous looking needle. Sarah notices that the doctor's face does not match the ID badge on the lab coat. So she puts him in a chokehold and demands to know where his boss is. That was that was like good on her. I was proud of her for uh handling that situation casey bryce and chuck show up at what i'm assuming is the swankiest train and or bus station i've ever seen because so i think that's you i thought it was union station but i'm not sure because i haven't been there because all the chairs like in the waiting area are these really nice wooden plush armchairs it was very old-fashioned looking it was and very I nice it had a lot of space like, I didn't think it could hold a lot of people for a train station but that's where like the amtraks are because we see an amtrak later yeah Huh. I'll have to have to check it out sometime. Yeah, we'll have to do some research. But they're here to meet Hayes and trade the duffel bag of money for the chip. Hayes wanders in wearing his white tuxedo and definitely looking out of place and stressed out. He meets up with Chuck, who is carrying the giant duffel bag, and the two loudly talk about how they're not used to spy exchanges, so they <laughs> don't know the protocol. <laughs> so much for using a public space for discretion. Yep. Uh, as this is happening, the only people who are apparently awake and notice this going down are undercover fulcrum uh, proxies. They see Hayes and start to run for him. Seeing this, Hayes runs away, shouting that he thought he could trust Chuck. Casey is pissed that now he has to run and take matters into his own hands. No one else seems to be particularly concerned about the men running through the train station, chasing a, a lanky British man in a white tuxedo. Everyone's just like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you ever been to Port Authority? I feel like that's a regular occurrence there. I've seen Port. I've been to Port Authority, but I would be a little perturbed or concerned if I saw a man in a white tuxedo running away from a bunch of other guys. <laughs> Here in New York, we have a saying, Aaron, see something, say something. New York City. Yes, that is New York City's motto. Little known fact. So Casey runs after Vaughn and the bad guys, but the bad guys get to Vaughn first. There's a standoff on the train platform, which Chuck ends by showing up with his big bag of money and offering to give it to the bad guys in exchange for them letting everyone go. So that, that's, I don't know if it's quick thinking, but it's like a good exchange. Pretty the pragmatic, guys, yeah. Yeah, the bad guys elect to take the money and Vaughn hugs Chuck. He's apparently no longer into getting money for the microchip because I guess his life has been threatened twice. So he just hands the microchip right over. As they're leaving the station, though, the fulcrum agent, like the, the woman who Chuck insulted earlier, shows up and puts a gun to Chuck's head. She has a standoff holding the gun to Chuck's head uh, with Bryce and says that if Bryce gives her the microchip, she'll let Chuck go. Bryce sees Sarah creeping around the corner, so he puts his gun down and slides it to the agent and then gives her the chip as well, thinking that Sarah will take the shot around Chuck like she did in the flashback earlier. But, oh my god, Sarah can't do it. She's too afraid of shooting Chuck by accident, so she can't take the shot. She's getting soft. Soft like pudding. 
unfortunately, Casey has caught Vaughn, and he's uh, coming in from behind, so he shoots the Fulcrum agent in the shoulder. She falls, and Chuck is free. Sarah, because she couldn't take the shot, begins having a crisis. Back in the Bybor, the sports guys are back for more Madden, even after Morgan's little stunt. Lester and the others ask Morgan to go in and confront them, so Morgan does. He tells them he thought they had an understanding, but pretty predictably, Mitt says he now wants a PS3. They could have bought mine. I would have I would have sold mine to them. Oh, just yeah, a couple true. months too late. Anna tells the guys they can't talk to Morgan like that, and I really wanted her to like beat the shit out of them herself right here, but all we really get at this point is that Morgan seems incapable of standing up for his girlfriend until he pours a can of grape soda all over Mitt's head. The natural sequence of events here is that they they lock Mitt and Morgan in the cage together. That's just that's just seems the right thing for them to do. An event to which both of them seem to be consenting to. Like they're yeah. not trying to get out of the cage. They're like, yeah, all right, yeah, I guess yeah. it's time to build a cage. We're just gonna we're just gonna fight. Uh, so here we have Anna comes into the cage and beats Mitt up with a tripod while the song Barracuda plays. There's a good line where Mitt says, "I don't fight girls," and she says, "Neither do I." I thought that was really sick, but doesn't really stand up to closer inspection. I don't really know what I don't really know what that means. But they have a nice fight. Um, Anna beats Michael Strahan up, and I thought, like, I don't know. I was I'm not gonna say it like solved feminism, but like it was, it was nice to see. <laughs> Casey is looking on in the background, and he calls someone, allegedly the NSA or something, to get background clearance on Anna as a candidate for possible field work. I liked that. Later, Bryce shows up at Chuck's apartment to tell him that Sarah hesitated and almost cost him his life and the microchip. Chuck asks what he's supposed to do, and Bryce says he'll do the right thing, which is why he sent Chuck the intersect in the first place. Then Bryce just, like, leaves, which I thought was kind of a dick move. I'm going to have to make a shameful admission here that I, w- I wasn't feeling him as much this episode. I thought he was a little, I don't know, he was he's coming on a little strong, but, like, not strong enough. He wasn't as suave. Mm-hmm. I think because he's been cuckolded, now I'm just, like, I lost respect for him, I guess. Hmm. Seems Mm. like you were adopting the kind of um, like very evolutionary biology mindset of human relationships that is also employed by one Eric May mystery. Also known I know, as you, the pickup we were artist. talking about him last episode, and now I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, oh, I like, I didn't even watch any of his videos and all of his viewpoints. I've just absorbed somehow. The pickup this artist, is his move. yeah, the pickup artist would contend that your genetics and your biology is turned off by a man who cannot provide for you. Yeah, yep, that's. I guess that's true. So sorry, Matt Bomber. Sorry, Bryce. Ooh, yeah, can't can't compete with millions of years of evolution. I guess not. Bryce makes up for uh, his dickish behavior a little bit by giving Chuck his sunglasses. Chuck says he doesn't want to be a real spy, and Bryce says it's a little too late for that. He also tells Chuck that he's been looking out for him all along. <laughs> Meanwhile, Casey has on his best I'm not mad, I'm disappointed dad face, and Sarah expresses to him that she knows she hesitated based on him not having any reaction and not saying anything and just continuing to be disappointed. Sarah decides to go and have a conversation with Chuck. We don't really know what she was planning to say, but they both start to talk at once, and Chuck ends up talking first. He tells her that she's everything to him, but they can't have a future together because he wants a normal life and she will never be normal. This is clearly not what she was expecting, so again, I'm not really sure if she was going to like confess or feel it. I don't know what was going to happen there. But Sarah says that when the intersect is out of Chuck's head and he has that normal life, he'll forget all about her. He says he seriously doubts that. Both of them cry a little bit, and it's very sad. Also, Skinny Love is playing. Bonavere, are you a white guy who is sad and lovelorn? Bonavere. <laughs> So I have a bone to pick with the next scene. Do you have a bon of air to pick with the next scene? <laughs> yes. Matt Bon of air? Oh, oh no, no. I've been I vanquished. I won. No, I'm <laughs> melting, I'm melting. So Chris is dead. So Ellie invites Sarah over to uh, talk about bridesmaid stuff, I guess. Um, Chuck is also there, which is fine. But so the thing that Ellie is doing is she's like, Sarah, come look at these dresses that I've picked out, like in a catalog. And she's showing them to Devin, which is pretty non-traditional. Like it's 
generally you don't show your future husband the dress that you're going to wear until like later and like I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're just like not going with like traditional gender expectations but I think it was just like kind of a snafu that they could have just been like dealing with any kind of wedding duty but instead they it was dresses I don't know what do you think about this Chris you know what I think Aaron I think that this is just yet another instance of your weirdly narrow-minded worldview <laughs> and thinking that men and women need to fall into these conventional traditional gender roles and especially with some kind of antiquated ceremony or tradition like marriage you're like oh the men the man can't see the woman's dress like you know i just think it's weird you're i think i are you the one that causes the handsmaid's tale i think so <laughs> it might be i think it starts with them being like hey who's this erin rada girl and then cut to handmaid's tale and then yvonne <laughs> is doing something in there i'm not sure what she's up to there but she's doing something i don't know she had a did she have a baby or is that in real life i don't know something real life baby i feel like a baby's also involved in handmaid's tale yeah i think there's definitely some babies um yeah i don't know i guess i didn't realize it was such a faux pas so it didn't really alarm me yeah but it was just weird like it's just unusual and i feel like if it was supposed to be like an atypical couple dynamic they should have addressed it more i think it was just that the male writers of the show don't know that that's like not a thing well, the, I mean, can the man, a man can look at bridesmaids dresses, right? That's what they were looking well, at? Okay, were they looking at bride? I thought they were looking at wedding dresses. Oh, so maybe. if it was bridesmaids dresses, then none of this, this is all moot. So I'm sorry for my, my faux pas. But anyway, the episode ends. Chuck goes back into his room later that night and sees that Bryce left him the pair of sunglasses. Chuck puts them on and does a Sean Connery impression in his mirror. Then the glasses say something like, ocular identification complete, and the intersect update gets downloaded into Chuck. He falls over and we hear him say from the ground, I hate Bryce Larkin. Where did where did oh, Chuck get the photo of him and Sarah on a mountain? Oh yeah, I was wondering, well, I was just thinking, like I was Did they take do they, they hang out when they're not point. doing spy stuff and take cute pictures? Like when they went to Comic Con? <laughs> did they have lives when we can't see them? <laughs> and also, oh my god, the intersect just got updated. Yeah. That was I mean, I guess we'll find out next episode, but like Bryce Bryce seems like he's just like causing a ruckus. Like he's just like he don't give a shit. He's a cheeky little guy. Yeah. Did well the the like intersect like the the thing exploded so like that's not going to the government <laughs> so like are they gonna be mad at Bryce is that why he's on the run now so the next segment is uh, we're a segment that we call entering the home theater room where we stop into the I guess disgusting and smelly filthy home theater room of the Bymore since the jocks were in it and pop in a, a video from our own lives and. You share a little bit of about our personal experience as it pertains to something in the episode. Um, this is Chuck versus the breakup. So thinking a lot about different breakups that happened. Yep. Um, my particular standout memory for me was in high school when I had gone on very, very seldom. I think I maybe went on like one double date with this girl who was an upperclassman. And I was like, cool. And then I was trying to finagle just like a one-on-one -on -one date because we had only gone on the group date before. Um, group date. Oh, my God. <laughs> having flashbacks? I'm ha no, I'm just thinking about The Bachelor. I'm just oh. using Bachelor oh, yeah. terminology. So I was trying to arrange just like a date between her and I because it seemed like she was vibing it. And I thought that it would like go well and that would be something she's interested in. So I was yeah. like pitching her ideas on different dates. And she kept shooting them down and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, but like, okay. And then she basically settled on going to this restaurant in our town, which I'd never been to, but the seafood restaurant. I do All not right. live in a necessarily coastal town. It's, you know, an hour no, away from the coast. I wouldn't call it that. So I was like, and I don't, at the time I didn't really care for seafood. So I was like, all right, I, I guess, yeah, we can go there. Sure. Cause I didn't care. Yeah. So I pick her up at like five maybe a little Classic after five time. and we go to this restaurant in town and it's just like dingy and bad and i got shrimp alfredo i think and it was just so gross and like i had no. to go to the bathroom and i just oh, was no. not feeling well yeah. and then i came back out and we paid and we finished and then i was like oh it's only like six o'clock so the night is young like what else do you want to do where do you want to go next and she's like can you just bring me home and it was like Oh, oh yeah yeah that's that's fine sure so then we drive five minutes to our house and i'm like so do you, do you like want to hang out here and she's like i'm just gonna go inside oh no i don't think we should keep doing this and oh. i was like oh okay so 
I drive away and it's like 6.15 and I was like <laughs> hyping this up to my friends and my family like I got a big date tonight and, and I get home at like 6.20 and they're like oh <laughs> so then that is too bad I went and hung out at the the town uh town pond for a little while and just was very dramatically looking Did over the water. Did you listen to Bonnie Bear? No, I was listening to, I should have been listening to The National, because that's what you listen to if you're in, like, an angsty white guy that doesn't really, you know. Is that what they have, like, the Need My Girl song? Is that The National? <laughs> no, I, I am not sure. But in this episode, okay. it was when they, it was like the interlude that they would play for Sarah and Bryce. We're in a fake empire. Oh, yeah, that's The National. Also, I Need My Girl is The National. I need my girl. So that was my my favorite breakup. My favorite breakup. That's a new podcast. I would say um, my, I have, I have like, I don't have a ton to choose from because of course, you know, I'm just, no one, never, never break up with anyone. You're, you're a keeper. I'm a keeper. But um, when I was in high school, I had a young, a young gentleman caller who, um, we, we had been dating, not, not very long. I think we've been dating for maybe a month. And he broke up with me via letter. So he walked me to my bus because that was that was this period of my life. He walked me to my bus, which was at the front of the bus line. So he had to walk me pretty far. We just had some normal conversations. And then as I was about to board my bus, he says, wait, I have something for you. And he pulls out a note. And then it was a note where he said that he wanted to break up. And then I got on my bus. I like I, I figured like when he handed me a note, I was like, oh, this is this is going south real fast. So I got on the bus and then I waited for him to leave. And then I fist pumped because I was going to break up with him and I didn't want to do it. So I was like, yes. So that was that's my breakup. That story took a turn. I didn't know that's yeah. how that was going to go. Yeah, it was a twist ending. Wow. I thought <laughs> he was also very surprised when I, I told him this later. How old were you like in middle school? Or like early no, high school? No, it was, it was like 10th grade, I think. Oh, okay. I was 10th grade. He was 9th grade. Oh, I like how that's the equivalent of like the big dramatic scene at an airport when someone's getting on the plane. Yeah. The equivalent for high school is someone walking <laughs> you to the bus and you're yes. boarding your school bus like you do Absolutely. every afternoon. Yeah. Here's this letter. And then I imagine. <laughs> I wish you... I still had it. I would like to, I would like to read it. I like. I picture you reading the letter, then looking out the bus window or the, the back of the bus, like the security yeah. door and seeing him walk away and you yelling out like, you're dead to me, dead to me. <laughs> that's yep. That's what I did. Breaking up is fun to do. Breaking uh, up is fun to do. Next, we have a segment called Chuck, Mary Kill. We talk about one part of the show that we'd like to marry and one part of the show, this episode, at least that we would like to kill. What should we do first? Can I start with my kill, perhaps? Yeah, go ahead. Um, not a major one. I thought the actor that they had playing that um, fulcrum, like, thug for hire at the train mm -hmm. station, I thought he was mm -hmm. really bad. He delivered his lines. It was like... I thought he was very good looking. You thought he was good looking? Yeah. He was not good, a good actor. Maybe good that's dude. maybe that's how he got his job, because it was like, <laughs> whoa, that's bad acting. And he only had one line, which is like, give us the money. And he just could not sell it. I was like, ah, that guy was bad. That's yeah. all I have. Okay, well, mine uh, is also related to fulcrum actors and actresses, but specifically what Chuck says about them. I, as I mentioned before, did not really like that uh, Chuck called that woman a scary elf maiden. I thought that that was uncalled for, and I would also be angry and hold a gun to his head if someone did that to me. It wasn't really funny. Like, I think the, the point of it was that, like, he insulted her and she heard him. Like, that was the joke. But the joke that he said wasn't very good, and I didn't, like, I was more confused about it than anything else, because I was like, wow, like... Chuck, like, what, like, why you, why you just calling like women ugly? That's not nice. Like, you're not that much of a catch yourself. So whoa, <laughs> I'm taking a hard stance here. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I like Chuck up until that point. I just think you know he needs a lesson from a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> he does not need a lesson from mystery. Mystery, if you're listening, hey, how's it going? Thanks for uh, listening to two episodes of our show. That's Not really one, nice. but two episodes of two mystery. Episodes. Big fan. Big fan of your work. think you're a really great public speaker. What would you marry this episode? Um, uh, um, so I have two, kind of. Okay. Like, I have a little one and then a larger one. Yes. I think I really liked the scene of Anna being a badass with a tripod. Yeah, that was really good. Um, in beating up Michael Strahan. Not because I have a vendetta against Michael Strahan, because I do not. <laughs> I think you do. I don't. I don't know why you think I do, but I don't. Um, it kind of explains, it elucidates that 
Anna's video diary that I saw in the bonus features of season yes. one where she's doing swords and stuff. So yeah. maybe that was I don't think that was intentional, but it's cool that that's part of the character because I feel like yeah. Anna doesn't usually get that much dimension. Yeah, I did not think they were going to go that way. I thought they were kind of hinting at it, but I didn't think it was actually going to happen. I thought it was going to focus on like Morgan regaining his manhood. So I liked that it was mm -hmm. her. Yeah, I thought it was unexpected. And then I thought it was extra unexpected that Casey was so impressed and was like yes. immediately calling someone being like, oh my God, I hey, love we got <laughs> yeah. to try to refer her for the, the yeah. government, which was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also like on a larger scale, I liked the breakup scene. It was mm -hmm. really emotional and I got choked up while I was watching it. So. Oh, okay, that's what, because I was, this, this is really dumb, but, like, I knew the episode was called Chuck versus the Breakup, and I was like, well, who broke up? And now I'm thinking, okay, that's, that was It's saying. Chuck and Sarah, but it's also yeah. kind of Bryce and Sarah when you think about it. Yeah, well, I thought about Bryce and Sarah, but Chuck, okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Cleared it up, cleared it right up. Yep, what about you? So, I really like the scene when Bryce and Chuck are getting ready. Um, Bryce has a real bow tie, and Chuck has a clip-on bow tie, and, like, Chuck kind of feels inferior. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, well, this is, it. it's a very small visual thing that you might miss if you were, say, taking notes or just not paying attention in general. But I noticed it and I really, I thought it was a really, like, good visual way of, like, showing this feeling that Chuck has had. Mm. And I really, I really liked it. So I would marry that. I also, I thought it was sweet that uh, Ellie asked Sarah to be her bridesmaid. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, like, although the execution was weird and, like, everything about it was weird, I, I, li I thought that was sweet. I like it. <laughs> I liked it aside from the fact that I hated it, but I really yes. liked it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's Chuck, Mary, Kill. So interesting information is dead, as we all know, but mm -hmm. I do have some information that happens to be interesting. I wanted to bring to your attention that this episode, episode three, got 1.4 million more viewers than the last one. I just, I, I happened to see how many viewers it had, and I thought that was interesting. I don't know why you tune in episode three, but maybe the promotions were interesting, maybe because of Matt Bomber, they got that bomber spike you know hmm did you dig know. into it at all or no no i just wanted to <laughs> drop that fact for you great <laughs> also this this information is a little more interesting uh going back to the name von hayes apparently it's a thing in chuck where uh the creators name characters after obscure 80s sports icons so von hayes is a um let's see if it says where he's from uh he's he's a player from philadelphia who was around in the 80s and apparently um let's see when this january 5th 2009 an article was published by nerve blog nerve it says love sex and culture and there's apparently personals on this one i don't know what this website is so don't don't like question me on this but there's an article where um the the writer of this article was reflecting that um they thought that the characters in Chuck being named after obscure 80s uh, sports icons meant something about the future of the Chuck and or the future of Chuck and what the intersect, like how things were going to wrap up. They thought that this was a clue and they were like having a lot of questions about it. And apparently the creators of Chuck got asked about it a lot. Um, and this uh, co-exec producer, Matthew Miller, said that there's no master plan and that they just kind of challenge each other to come up with the weirdest and most obscure sports names for villains and minor characters that they can and it was just a fun game that they all had in writing chuck well so, it's, it's too bad that we don't have interesting information anymore so i'm gonna have to cut all of that out but that was definitely yeah. interesting i wonder about the names of these people i'm like how why are they who how are they coming up with these names but apparently yep. they made now a game out of it yeah definitely helpful very good to know um so on the scooter scale which is the scientific scale for how we rate episodes of chuck uh zero through five corn dogs what did you rank this episode how many corn dogs did you give it i think i'd give it a four mm -hmm. i really liked this episode i um although as i said matt bomber was not as appealing to me as he has been in previous episodes i did like the dynamic i did really like the like I think um, I, I read some reviews about these couple episodes that we've watched in the past couple weeks and people were talking about whether the will they won't they was getting annoying yet or whether it was used effectively and I think that for me personally it's used very effectively that like they're 
like we know that Chuck and Sarah have feelings for each other and like that's exciting but also like plausible things are getting in the way plausible feelings are coming up there's like plausible I don't know like barriers to them being together and it like keeps the emotion heightened where I like feel bad that they broke up but like I feel happy that like Sarah is starting to like develop feelings for someone like I thought that was all good I liked um the mission that they go on I liked I liked Vaughn all right so I thought you know I'll give it, I'll give it a four I thought it was a, a good a good episode yeah I agree I think I would give it maybe 4.5 Ooh. I was probably like around like a 3.54 until the breakup scene but the breakup yeah. scene really was really good got me pretty choked yeah. up I don't know what it is about these crazy kids but they just get to me uh, it was good it was emotional because th- it's like I guess it was meaningful or i don't know i think it's just interesting because you would think that sarah has the upper hand or she traditionally has the upper hand in their relationship in terms of chuck seeking her out and wanting her approval or like her you know wanting to date him but with the breakup it was kind of role reversal and it was chuck having the upper hand and not wanting to that's a good way of putting that break up with her and he was clearly upset about it but it was interesting to have chuck basically taking the thing that he's wanted this whole time and saying like, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. And it having clearly an emotional effect on Sarah, who we are seeing is opening up and being physically affected by her feelings for Chuck. So So do you think that Chuck is like, actually feels that he does like, he can't have a normal life with Sarah and he's like coming to terms with that. Or do you think that he's trying to like, like not like nag is the wrong word, but do you think he's trying to like break up with her to protect her because he knows that she can't do his job if she has these feelings? Well, it's hard to say. Maybe it's a little of both. Yeah, I, think I think that he's fair. like legitimately getting kind of tired and frustrated with the spy stuff and he doesn't want to have yes, the intersect. Definitely. But yeah, I thought what he said was pretty good. Like when he was talking about how like he might want to call her after a long hard day and she's like on a mission and stuff like mm-hmm. I. I guess I had kind of been thinking of it as, and maybe Chuck was thinking of it as, like, they would get together and then they would just, like, live together and have, like, a normal-ish life. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's going to happen unless she, like, defects or whatever. So, yeah. She could have a normal life. She can open up a Wienerlicious food truck, maybe. Yeah, she could. Or a uh, orange-orange food truck. Yes. Well, another, another... Another one in the books. Another good episode of Chuck. Another okay episode of Go Check Yourself. <laughs> yes. Another okay episode. Um, Are you wearing a necklace? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> it looks like you're wearing a necklace. I'm not wearing a necklace. I thought, I thought you had like a little choker. Like a you little thought I was wearing a choker? choker? Oh, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Maybe I could rock that look. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm gonna, so I'm going to go and start looking up pictures of male man necklaces online. <laughs> so uh, checking out all the internet has to offer for male necklaces. My name is Chris Gillespie. Reminding you that food is sexy. And my name is future president Aaron Arata, letting you know, please vote for me in the future elections, unless if you don't want the world to end, then don't do that. And uh, anything is possible. So I'll probably still win. Anything is possible, just like Aaron becoming a becoming elected president and then becoming a malicious dictator. Yep, that's I mean it's possible, you never know. Anything's possible. Who knows? Possible. Who knows? All right. I'm gonna uh, I think I'm gonna sing us out with some more Bonnie Vare. <laughs> Please do. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and the artist Hadakoa for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. Make sure to email us at gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com and tweet at us at gochuckpodcast. Remember to like and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and write a review if that's something you need to do. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.